Here's the big question. What if you had to start over from scratch and build a business with limited time and resources? Maybe the economy just pulled the rug out from under you, or you're in a business that's underperforming or a career that's going nowhere. How would you flip the switch to go from where you're at to where you want to go? A profitable business that supports your family and allows you to live the life you were meant to live. My name is Jason Liu, and each week I'm going to bring you guests that are further down the road while documenting my own journey. Welcome to the business of feeling good. So welcome everyone to another episode of The Business of Feeling Good. I'm your host, Jason Liu, and I am excited actually to catch up with an old friend, Christine Chang. And um, I'm pumped to have her on this episode because not only is she an author, photographer, she is a fiercely independent woman. And it's been incredible to watch her over the years develop and pivot and move in different directions. And I'm sure we'll get into it today really kind of hone in on what it means to be independent, but also what it means to be fulfilled and happy as well. She just authored a brand new book, um, which is called Show Up, uh, which is Finding Love for Independent Women, um, which I'm excited to get into. I've just gone through the basics of it right now, but I'm sure we'll talk about it. So I'm excited for her to explain kind of the ideas, who she's looking to go out there and help. But Christine, thanks for taking the time to hang out today. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> so let's talk, let's talk actually, if you don't mind book first and we'll kind of move around today. Um, so book is a big project. Um, where, I guess, before we get into anything, where did the idea start? Where did that seed begin, um, for you when it came to taking on a project of writing a book? Well, it's always been a goal of mine to publish a book since I was really young. Um, I like to tick boxes, by the way, being a high achiever. <laughs> so that's, that's always been on my list. Uh, I have blogged for a long time, for maybe 15 years. So with my photography business, uh, I had a blog that was attached to my website where I would share not only photography work, but also personal growth and life lessons, which I'm also passionate about. And since I write a lot, that was the idea deal for my book. Um, well, one, I know the topic is useful to people because I've had hundreds of conversations with strong, independent, capable women who feel like they're good at a lot of things, but it just seems like the the romantic and personal aspect of their lives just seems to be challenging for some reason. And I, mm. and I know that person too, because I used to be that person before I met my husband. Um, and I had already written a lot of blog posts about the whole process um, as I was going through it, little lessons. So that's where I started. I would I just dumped a lot of old blog posts into a Google Doc, and then um, from there, I finished the book. And because of what's going on right now with uh, COVID, uh, basically for with photography, there's no events going on right now, and I had time, and I, I was like, you know what? There's no reason for me not to finish this up during this time. And I got it out. So tell me about kind of that crux, because you touch on a really interesting area, which is often I find that the authors I get a chance to speak to or the personal development individuals that are spending time in this space, a lot of times it's looking back upon their um, past self and saying, I wish I could help that person. Or I, I wish there was a resource there for that person while I was in it. Right. Yes. Um Talk to me about, because it sounds like um, that there was definitely a challenge when it came to 
being independent, being ambitious, wanting things and feeling like there wasn't a bridge between a romantic life or a partner in your life at the same time as pursuing your career. Um, what kind of brought about that? I don't know that, that feeling. Well, that feeling came from a lot of childhood stuff, um, healing that I had to do, uh, stories that I made up and believed or was taught, um, things like, you know, you're lovable if you uh, achieve a lot, <laughs> things like that. So it was breaking down a lot of those stories and, and doing the healing as well, because a lot of people who are really successful in their career, they're, they're confident in that area in their life. A lot, uh, you know, a lot of other skills as well. They're great at like hobbies and stuff like that. Um, but it also often stems from not feeling good enough, you mm. know, and that's, that's why you excel. Um, so that poured over to personal life and, and romantic relationships. Like, am I good enough? Uh, I always felt like I had to keep the person interested so I basically was set up to fail because I wasn't showing up authentically as myself. I wasn't showing up vulnerable. Uh, and I had a lot of patterns that I just knew something was off. I was like, why is this not easy for me? Like, it feels like it's, you know, like work was so easy for me. I'm like, why can't it feel like that? You know, so that's when I started doing personal growth and introspection because it was something I wanted. I mean, I photographed weddings. You know, I chose that for a reason. I'm just drawn to love and I'm drawn to relationships. So the weddings were uh, a nice like sneak peek for me into seeing examples of what I wanted and also maybe what I didn't want. You know, I'd see some things like, like, oh, I like that. I like, it just seems so easy between them. I like how there's mutual respect. Or sometimes there would be things like, oh, they're not nice to each other <laughs> in front of each other in public. Like, okay, I don't want that. Um, so that's, um, that's kind of my journey was basically introspection of myself. You know, it's not, if there's a pattern in your life, it's not other people, it's you. And mm. I was clear that it was me. So uh, the, my book basically is about my journey and the things that helped me get clear. So I knew what to do. Uh, and when it clicks too, it's really simple, right? <laughs> once it clicks, once you're out of it. Um, so in the book, yeah, it was certain questions I asked myself, getting clear on what I wanted. Hmm. And then also my actions being aligned with what I said I wanted. So let's let's unpack that a little bit because I think there's a lot to dive into there, which is <laughs> first I want to kind of talk about, because you touched on the idea of a lot of our beliefs stem from what we're told by our parents. I think that's, those are the words that you use. And one of the things that I found being Chinese American is that there's a lot of pressure from parents. There's, there's a ton, right? To excel, to succeed. And some of them, if you take a step back and look at them, like as adults now, it's a lot easier to digest that they had good intentions. But when you're going through it, at least for me, there were times when I had resentment towards maybe what my parents were saying, what the feelings were out there. How did you or did you find a way to let go of some of that resentment when it came to what was taught to you, what was kind of programmed for us? Yeah, that took years. Uh, I think uh, forgiveness um, and being clear, breaking down my stories too of what someone does versus what that means, um, being more compassionate, knowing that people just do the best that they know how or they speak to you in the way that they were spoken to. 
And as far as our parents, their generation goes, like, we're so lucky that we have the internet and we have so many resources where you can learn all these things and be more emotionally intelligent and a better communicator where before it's just you, your reality is just how you were spoken to as an adult or as a child. Right. And so I think as I've matured as well, because there was definitely a long period where I was resentful and um, especially towards my mother, because she's the stronger one, like traditional, like tiger mom. And (laughs) it just like, it comes off as mean, you know, and very, the criticism, like it could be hurtful too, but she doesn't hear it in the same way necessarily. And I, I brought her it to her attention recently and I'm much better at having conversations with her about it versus just like attack attack back, you know? And so she was teaching my nephew math and my mom's not, she's a very strong businesswoman, but she's not the most patient person. And some of our comments will be like, you know, like use your brain. Like you're not doing a job, good job because your brain's not here, you know, just very blunt. And, and then I was like, mom, you, like, I'm like, I, I don't, you shouldn't say that to him. You know, I'm like, you're not cause him to be like, really insecure and you know and and she's like no that's not true you know I'm like well ask him when he gets older like I'm telling you right now you used to say that to me and I had to do so much work to build my confidence back (laughs) and at that moment she didn't realize she had no idea until I told her I had to work on my confidence because you used to talk to us like that and it can hurt someone's feelings yeah, it's, it's really interesting um, to look at kind of the perpetual cycles that come through the generations. Like, I'll notice that sometimes my mom will say things that aren't intended to land hurtful or aren't intended to land in a way that is mean, but it was kind of what her mom told her. And so even though it did hurt her, it's kind of like the immediate response that I'm going to pass back down to my kid or I've, I've got a daughter now or like grandkids, right? So um, it's catching those elements and catching those areas, but that's really interesting. Um, so tell me about dominoes here because it sounds like you've done a ton of work on yourself, which, which shows in the way that you're able to handle maybe emotionally charged situations, emotional conversations now. What dominoes really had to fall for kind of your relationship with Pete to flourish? Um, What major areas or were there major areas that you felt like, you know what, as soon as I was able to get a grasp on this one area, this came into play? Uh, Sure. So I think one of the things that allowed me to see Pete when he showed up, because I think some of my um, old stories were preventing me from seeing a potentially good partner when they showed up because automatically I would just be on autopilot and go after the emotionally unavailable, you know, person. Um, So being able to see him, I think the getting, getting clear on what I wanted. So the qualities, like my own values, like my core values, integrity. So knowing that was extremely helpful because, you know, sometimes if someone comes along and they're really charming, you know, and they're good at a lot of stuff and, and they're nice, but if they lack integrity, I knew this is not going to work long-term. So it's, you know, learning to say no. And I can only do that after I was clear on it. Like, actually, you know what? I can't change someone else's values. I don't like, I don't believe in lying. I believe in having integrity. He doesn't, and that's okay. I'll let him go find someone else and I'm going to make space for what I want. Mm. Um, so it's that, and yeah, and the staying open, 
Um, and that's the thing that I see most commonly with uh, single independent women now is uh, is whether they're open or not. And a lot of them say they are. And I've been here too. I'm like, yeah, I want a relationship. I'm ready for one. I'm ready for one. But then I'll hear them say something trivial about some guy that they just met that has like nothing to do with they, with what they say that they want, you know, I'm like, hold on. And that's, I mean, the book is basically about getting clear. I kind of like just really simplify the process and it's not the most romantic or sexiest part of getting into a relationship. Right. But that fundamental functionality for a long-term relationship is important. It's needed, you know, and then you can focus on the fun stuff, but yeah, you have to have a balance of that. And I just learned that if that, functionality is not in place mm. that it's not going to work long-term. And for me, cause I'm a very sensitive person for me, emotions, like feeling emotionally safe was very important to me. And mm. that was always missing from previous relationships. And so with my husband, Pete, now he absolutely gives that to me. I mean, it, w- it was what I'm looking for. I'm like, if I feel safe, if I feel good, if I feel supported at home and like I, I could be me and the best self-expressed version of me, then I can go out and like conquer the world. Like I'll feel great. (laughs) (laughs) It shows, it really shows it comes through, um, especially with how you're tackling life right now. Um, For people that are interested in the book and really want to dive in um, a, what's the best way to go find it. Um, And then B, what do you really want people to take away um, from reading this book? Because I think there's so many areas that people can kind of, so many entry points, right? It could be beginning of relationships, trying to do some work, but what's your hope for where this book lands with people? Uh, Okay. First you can get on Amazon. It's available for Kindle or um, paperback. And uh, what I hope people get out of it is clarity and peace too, that I mean, when you're in it, it just feels like it's like the hardest thing, right? And I, we do it to ourselves. But the questions that I ask at the end of some of the chapters, they're really simple questions, but it helps you get clear on, on what you want. And as long as you're focused and that you have good boundaries, you know, it's basically laying out a blueprint for you to create what you want. So, and for me, I like being efficient too. And it's funny how like, you're so efficient in some areas of your life, like work, but for so long relationships just were like the complete opposite (laughs) on a hamster wheel. And it's funny looking back now, how it feels like how I tolerated that for so long, that like mediocrity or just, um, I had a coach and he was, I mean, I would always like come back with like the same stuff for a while. He's like, what are you doing dating these Mickey mouse ding dongs? And I'm like, I'm like, I don't know. Cause I don't think I deserve better and all this other stuff. Um, but you know, when you're ready to, to change and make, uh, to change your actions so that you get the result that you want, you know, you get to a point where you're, you get tired of how you're showing up. And of course a coach, you know, can help. Um, give clarity, but, but you'll know when you're ready because your actions will match what you say you want. So it's really interesting because um, I was having a discussion actually a day before about trying to create new actions. Um, Do you have any tips for maybe this aligns and maybe this doesn't. So you can tell me if I'm completely off base here, but my question is, when you're trying to create new habits or you're trying to go out there and create new actions, so you're so used to, 
when this happens, I typically go down this rabbit hole, right? When I see someone, um, I choose the unemotional or the maybe the emotionally unattached person. Um, when you're trying to create new pathways, do you have any recommendations about a how to maybe catch yourself when you feel like you're going down a path that's either a unhealthy or is old programming? Um, and how to make sure that you really can lean into that kind of new version that you want to show up as um, this person that does take responsibility and is independent and can have love at the same time. Like change is hard. It changes hard. Uh, I usually, I mean, for me, I mean, starting, you know how they say how you are in one area of your life, it pours over to other areas. Yeah. So I think an easy way is, I mean, cause our brains like what's familiar, right? And so just changing up what's familiar, starting from the littlest thing. Like if you scramble your eggs in the morning, do it over hard, you know, just like really little things. And some people are really resistant to doing even the littlest things. And it feels weird, you know, because you've been doing it a certain way for 30 years Um, or like wearing a bright pink shirt. If you always dress super neutral, like those little habits or changing uh, workout classes, you know, you, uh, if you're always at yoga, you know, maybe take a dance class or do some weight training, like move in new ways. And it, I think that it reprograms your nervous system to get used to doing things differently. And of course, what would be the most effective is, you know, emotionally. So when you like put up your boundaries and all that stuff, but I do think start with the easy stuff that you could do every day. And then, um, and then the self-awareness of course is really important you know, being aware of when you are on autopilot and doing something that doesn't align with your bigger picture goals. And I talk about that a lot in my book is the self-awareness, how that actually is the most important component. Cause a lot of people, they want to focus on the exterior or like the other person, you know, what's going on around them. But if you're really clear on yourself and how you operate and what you want, you'll be very clear when you know, for example, when the love of your life shows up, you know, you won't be questioning certain things. You'll just, you'll know it because you're, you're very sure of yourself. I love it. Tell me about um, how that balance works for you, because there are a lot of individuals that I work with, both as entrepreneurs, people that want to get into more of an entrepreneurial space. I know that you've been in that space for a while as a photographer, now author, how do you balance both relationship or family and work? Because that's one of the biggest questions that I get all the time is this kind of, I'm spinning plates. I'm at one and then I'm running back over to the other. And it feels like for some people, it's a big challenge. Um, do you have any tips for that? Do we have any areas in terms of how to have both in your life? Yeah. Well, usually when it comes down to it, I... I think about if I'm on my deathbed and what I would be thinking about, that is, those are usually the things that matter most. And for me, it's usually mostly relationships, family, and the impact I had on others, like how I showed up. That usually is the first thing that comes up. Um, but I'm also very independent and have a strong identity outside of family, which has made me growing up. Asian Americans, some kind of like a black sheep, you know, so it could be viewed as selfish. Right. Culturally, right. If you're going after your own happiness and, you know, I'm the one who moved off to LA and kind of does, you know, I, I do pop in for like the, the family dinners and things like that, but I, I tend to be more independent and uh, I'm the happiest and the most fulfilled when I'm doing things 
that I'm passionate about. And so, I mean, I'm lucky that I, I mean, I've had the conversation with my parents when it happened. They have a, we have a family business and, you know, me choosing not to work with them. uh, That was difficult. I I do, but now that I'm older, actually, when I have time, I do, I help them when I, and it makes me happy to help them. Um, What do your parents do? I don't even know. So uh, they're in biotech. My dad's an organic chemist and they sell synthetic peptides and hormones and ELISA kits. <laughs> so it's very um, sciencey, which is not just me. this little <laughs> small family business. <laughs> so it's, it's small for Silicon Valley. Terms. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I do. I help them with marketing and, and branding and keeping their business relevant. Um, they're pretty old school with the way they do things. So um, but it makes my dad happy. He always says like, I'm happy when you're around and you help, you know, the office looks so much better. And, and that makes me happy. Uh, so uh, yeah, in terms of balancing it out, I think I'm lucky too that they, my parents aren't super, super traditional Chinese. Right. I would say that they do understand um, and that they give me my freedom uh, without criticism, not anymore, which is nice. Um, and in, in terms of my marriage, my husband is very independent as well. And that's, I think that's what makes it really easy. Cause you don't have to explain, like, there's not one of us that's like, hang out with me more. You know, it's, it's, he has his soccer, his work, his guy time that really lights him up. And I understand that because I'm the same way. I have my stuff that, and it doesn't mean I don't love you any less, but I just really want to travel by myself to the Cook Islands right now. <laughs> and, he's, <laughs> and he's understanding of that. And um, well, you have a kid, so I, I know that throws a lot into the mix. I haven't experienced that yet. Um, but as of right now, I, I, I feel overall really good and okay when I take care of myself. Versus guilty where I feel like some people who are like really sensitive to how others feel and they're really empathetic, you know, like they're like, I feel bad, but then I see them losing a part of themselves where they're not happy anymore. So it's that balance too, you know, is living your truth because I'm sure like your family and your, your partner, they want you to be happy. Right. And that's when you can give like your best to them. No, I totally agree. It's, it really kind of goes back to the values, right? It goes back to that. You guys share the value of independence and how important that is to you. And the same is true with my wife and I too. Like it's a very, like we've run our entire life, like life, family, and work all from the house for the most part. And it's people are like, can't, how do you stand living on top of each other? And like, everyone's in the house. And I'm like, it just works for us because the values are aligned, right? What you just talked about. Um, Let's talk about self-care though, because I feel that that is, has been such an overlooked area in some areas because of, because of the pandemic, because of everything that's been happening right now and the world's kind of been flipped upside down here. I knew work, I guess I kind of know from the light stalking I saw on, on uh, Instagram here that you are an avid dancer. Like you can still do the splits these days. Um, so how is kind of self-care changed with having to be in, you know, shelter in place and, you know, the world changing right now? 
Yeah, it's, um, I do miss dance class. I, I do miss <laughs> all those activities. Right? Uh, <laughs> it's, it's different. I think uh, being able to adapt is a, a good skill to have. So in terms of exercise, I, our, our Venice Beach bungalow, it's, it's pretty small. But I, I've taken some dance classes online and some yoga classes as well. We just push our dining room table aside. Um, but in terms of self-care, it's been nice. I mean, we've had more time actually. So um, actually I see with my husband because he, um, he actually got let go from his job a couple weeks ago, but it's, it's silver lining. It's a good thing. I mean, with timing and everything, it's, it's been really good for him. I've seen him actually been able to have time to explore hobbies, more hobbies for himself. And there's a new game that he really likes. It's called Scythe. But he, it's kind of like a teenager. It's really cute. And he's just obsessed with it. But I never <laughs> saw him have time for it before, uh, working so much. Um, so right now, I mean, being on lockdown, I do, I mean, exercise is still so important, you know, keep your immune system up. And uh, also the pent up emotions, you know, for staying at home more and more, you know, idle, like, that's not good for anybody, I think. So if you're able to to move and sweat, I mean, I feel it like when I sweat, like it's it's getting out a lot of that energy, you know, especially if you're anxious or, you know, you need to get that stuff out. Um, so yeah, self-care, I, I feel fortunate that I've, we've both had a good amount of time, you know, to focus on that. It's amazing. Um, what's kind of next steps for you? So we've got this book traditionally, like there's, there would be an entire circuit that you would try to hit and get out and talk about the book. What's next steps? Are there next steps? Is it something that you just wanted to kind of have as a standalone or is it, do you want to turn this into what's the future kind of project here? Have you thought about for Christine? Yeah. I mean, I would love to write more books. I would love to do speaking engagements, I mean, my goal, I just want to have a positive impact on people. And however that uh, comes out for me, I mean, that, clearly, like, I have a p- big part of me that's like an artist that like, <laughs> I'm not a, it's funny, because I have both. I'm not a rigid planner. Like, I don't reverse engineer, like, I'm going to become this speaker, like Tony Robbins. And I, I don't reverse engineer that way. I kind of start when it feels right. And then I kind of find my way from there. Um, so I would love to write more books and it's also with photography. I mean, photography will always be a passion of mine as far as photographing the large weddings and events. I do have to plan because it's, it's, it's hard on the body actually. And it's a lot of stress, um, and you're carrying heavy equipment and I know I'm not going to want to do that forever. Um, and while the money's good and it's fun, like I could still, do photography gigs that are maybe lower impact on my brain and stress levels and my body. And then while also like if I can, you know, turn being an author and speaker into a full-time career, I'd be all about that. And there's more longevity in that too, like from a practical standpoint. That's amazing. That's really amazing. It's cool. Like it's, I have two, I have two different steps, uh, separate groups of friends that are like, once I wrote my book, I never want to write another book again. And then I have the other group that's just like, I wrote one, I'm going to write like three more. Um, so it's different for every person. The experience obviously, um, kind of lets you know, but it sounds like you've got a lot of experience on the back end being, um, blogger. And then it obviously translated back into this book right now. Um, 
Talk to me a little bit about right now when it comes to pivots, because you mentioned something really interesting when it came to you don't reverse engineer your path. You kind of trust, and these are my words, not yours, but more trusting that intuition, trusting that um, it's time to change and move. That has been such a hard thing for me. Um, I probably stay over long or overstay my uh, my time in a career or a path. Um, and I have a hard time changing. So do you have any advice when it comes to navigating pivots and changes? Because there are a lot of people that listen to this podcast that that is one of their number one challenges is they're in a place where they want to move, but they're afraid to. Absolutely. It's scary. It's scary for everybody. And, uh, in terms of me pivoting and, starting to do less photography, I'm completely terrified. And it honestly took me years. I actually felt this starting maybe five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, again, you do what's familiar and what you, what you're good at. And it's hard because if you spent so much time building something and your identity is that, to let that go, I mean, it's basically you know, like you, you have to let it go. You know, all the followers you built, what you're known for, like for me, like my celebrity portfolio, all of that, like eventually it's not going to be at the forefront of my identity anymore. And I, I was scared to let it go, but I did feel that I'm on the right path. And, um, and it's been, I mean, I, (laughs) through the process, I have (laughs) listened to helpful podcasts like yours and done coaching and, um, you know, the emotions it's, it's getting easier now for sure. And this year is the first year where I felt the most clarity and the most comfortable being, you know, like starting to let photography go that it's not going to be my main thing anymore. And that's okay. I'm clear that I don't want to be photographing weddings when I'm 50 years old and yeah, and, and that's okay, you know, and this, because it's just, it's so scary just because you're a newbie again, you know, I'm writing a first book, this will be, it's a learning process, right? I'm going to make a lot of mistakes, which is harder when you're older, right? Whereas when you're younger, like, oh, let me just try again. But I'm like, oh, man, I'm older, like, it's it's hard making those mistakes. Um, and that's, I mean, with dance class, that's one of the things I felt like dance class it or it it is like personal growth for me because when I first started, I get so, I feel so embarrassed like if I couldn't get the steps or if I would mess up hmm. when it's just a recreational dance class too like mind you, but that kind of showed like how I felt about it you know and my teacher's just like she's like it doesn't matter if you mess up you know you're like you're learning and you just do it again and with the real good dancers you almost can't even tell when they mess up because they don't even like bat an eyelash. Like, yeah, the move isn't what the teacher said, but they're so confident doing it and just looks good. Right. So yeah, it was definitely, it took a few years, but um, listening to other people who have pivoted that has helped too. Um, Yeah. And the coaching and, um, and everyone's different. You know, I just, I think it's, pretty rare for someone just to like throw something away (laughs) that they've worked so hard for so for so many years it's that Um, it's that death of that identity a little bit right like it's like you you're totally like i'm so known by this business card and it's like who am i without this business card Um, right 
right? Yeah. And then you throw away all your old business cards. And it's like, oh man, that was wasteful. <laughs> but then you, I mean, it's necessary to create space if you want to, you know, again, like my goal is to feel good. You know, I don't care what the external circumstances are. If I'm photographer, author, whatever lights me up, that is what I'm going to go towards. And that in order to do that, it also requires letting go and making space for the new. How did you, I, I love that you said making space for the new, because I think that when you're going through change, if everything is filled up, like your closet is just filled with old clothes, there's no room for the new beautiful stuff that you want to invite in, right? When it comes to coaching, because I've heard you mention it a couple times, I've had different entry points into coaching and having mentors and having coaching, just being in the business world or being in, in this space of personal development, personal growth. Like the word coach is just like, it happens all the time. Like if you don't have a coach, you're like, you don't have a coach, like, <laughs> but it's not the norm. Um, it's not always the norm. So what was your kind of first introduction to a getting a coach? Um, and then if I can keep on top of that, when did you know it was kind of right to go get a coach? Sure. I, the first, uh, personal growthy thing I ever did was a program called landmark and landmark education. So, uh, one of my best friends and my boyfriend at that time, they had taken it and they, you know, I just saw how happy they were almost, but it almost like turned me off too. I was just like, Whoa, (laughs) what happened? (laughs) You're completely different. But I saw that they were genuinely lighter and happy. And, uh, so I, I took, um, a couple of those courses, I think the first one and then the intermediate one yep. and that, that kind of start opened a lot for me. Um, cause it helped break down a lot of the stories, making meaning out of things that have happened to me. And it also helped with my communication. So that was my intro to it. And then after that, there was a conference called a fest, which has a lot of thought leaders and people who are into personal growth. And that really opened up, you know, I mean, the, the conversations within that circle, it's almost like, if you don't have a coach, you're weird, you know, like, you know, everyone is just like wants to work on themselves. And so uh, since then, I, um, I think having a life coach is fantastic. Like, even if it's not a hired one, or if you don't have the the means to hire one, you know, just having a positive role model and someone to hold you accountable, right? Because it's just like, you, I mean, you can read books and things like that, which are, can be very helpful, but you're also just, you're still seeing it from your perspective and hearing the words the way you would. And when you bring other people in to help you, you know, they can ask you questions to reframe your thinking or just like, oh, and it's funny, those moments that happen, it just clicks and you're like, oh my gosh. And what they say is usually so simple, (laughs) right? But it makes a big impact on the way you think. And usually now uh, I don't have a coach all the time. I usually get a coach when I don't have clarity. Yeah. If I feel like I don't have clarity. Um, and right now with uh, my pivot, you know, it's, it's a good time because you're building again. Right. And you're, I just feel like anytime you're going through a major change, it's good to have support. Do you want to go into the coaching space? I, I don't think I want to go on like the one in one-on-one coaching space more like I like inspiring people. So it'd be probably be more in book format or speaking to an auditorium. Um, but at the same time, like you have to be practical too. Like I need money to be coming in. So I'm going to have to balance that out. And I, 
you know, as much as I would always love, like, you know, do whatever you want, you know, that (laughs) I just have to make sure they're, you know, that I have steady income still coming in. And if that requires me doing one-on-one coaching for a while, that's fine. But I know myself pretty well. And I don't think I'm the ideal person for that. <laughs> like, or, but having a, a podcast like you, you know, I think it's great. And then it feels easy. You just have conversations, you know, with people that, you know, that inspire you. And, and I usually go for ease. That's when I feel like, I'm on the right path is when it feels easy. Like it might not actually be easy, but like wedding photography is like a ton of work. So usually when I tell people, if you want to become a wedding photographer, you better love it. Otherwise you're going to be miserable because it's, it's a lot of work, but I love it. So it's fun. For me. Such a great way to kind of weigh the scales of, you know, do I love it? Does it light me up? Does it give me something as opposed to just be draining? Um, yeah. So yeah. 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 Energizing. I look at what's energizing because if something's draining you, that's usually when you're not in alignment. For right? sure. Yep. That is, that is the ultimate test right there. That is the litmus test, right? Yeah. Um, does it drain you? Does it light you up? Well, um, thank you so much for spending the time today to hang out. Thank you for kind of opening up and being vulnerable because there's so much to unpack when it comes to being independent, being strong, wanting that and wanting a relationship. Um, if people want to come find you, um, how do they kind of dive into the, your world? What's the best way to reach out to you? Where can they find you? Sure. So my website is christinechang.com and Chang is spelled C-H-A-N-G. And my Instagram is at C Chang and Co. And then my book is on Amazon and the book title is Show Up, Finding Love for Independent Women. And we will link all of that in the show notes today. So if you guys, um, which I highly recommend, definitely dive into Christine's book. It's incredible. Um, There's been great reviews on it thus far. Um, And definitely get into her world. Send her a message, send her a DM, say something like whatever you took out most of this episode, whatever you got out of the episode, it's a great way to kind of pay back uh, someone for their time and the value that they gave today. So Christine, thanks so much for being a part of the podcast. And thanks so much for sharing your world with us. Thanks for having me. Thanks again. I hope you guys grabbed some great value out of today's conversation. If you want to further the conversation, I'd love to meet you personally. We've got a free Facebook community that you can dive into, free content, more resources, and I do lives every single week where I get a chance to interact with you and help coach you on exactly what you need. If you want to find it, you can find us at The Business of Feeling Good, or you can search the hashtag BOFG. Again, that's hashtag BOFG. If you like this episode, please share it. I'd love to hear from you. Your comments, your reviews truly mean so much to me. It's the lifeblood of what keeps me going, and it's how I craft the content that's better going to impact you. I look forward to seeing you guys on the next episode. Until then, cheers. Cheers.